0: Welcome to Bramisol's Insights to Action podcast library of topics covering regulatory compliance, reporting, disclosures, financial management, and financial transformation technologies. Bramisol is the leader in SAP based finance solutions and a co innovator with SAP on developing and deploying purpose built compliance capabilities. Learn more about Bramisol. At www.bramisol.com.
1: This is Jim Hunt for Bramisol's Insights to Action podcast series. Uh, Today I'm really pleased that we have John Scott, who's Senior Technical Accounting Advisor with Bramisol. Uh, John's got an extensive background with uh, Big Four CPA audit experience, Uh, he's got a background in technical accounting, SEC reporting, business development. And over the years, he's worked uh, in many implementation projects for companies in the $100 million to $500 million range. Recently, he's uh, been through uh, RevRec and leasing compliance implementation. So today, we're really going to focus on um, having complied with RevRec and leasing um, accounting changes. What do you do next to optimize and transform? So, John, it was really great to have you. Thanks for joining us.
2: I uh, appreciate it, Jim. As, as Jim mentioned, I have a pretty extensive background in the big four uh, auditing companies as well as helping them implement new accounting guidance. And as Jim mentioned also, and I'm going to go through kind of a background to start with on this podcast on kind of going through the history of 606 IFRS 15, ASC 842 IFRS 16, just to kind of go through a brief kind of uh Logic on both of these. The IFRS 15 ASC 606 was effective for public companies in 2018, private companies in 2019. It really was a single scope model that follows a five step process. You know, the guidelines are all about the results of your end to end processes, starting with contracts through pricing, quotes, orders, and then ending with the revenue recognition. It's really all about trying to align the two standards as well as kind of get a, a single model of revenue recognition. And what really the big effects for organizations now that everybody's got this implemented is is getting out of that manual kind of process because there's some significant disclosures you have to make in your financial statements on performance obligations, how you came up with certain revenue recognition criteria, et cetera. And how that affects kind of your departments, legal departments have to get involved because they're managing the customer contracts, managing risk, working out commercial terms, which is a real big impact on revenue recognition. And finance, for instance, has to be aligned with that and be able to capture that information with your sales organization being involved because commissions, bonus, et cetera, can really impact what we call variable consideration. So that's kind of AS six hundred six, kind of little background in a nutshell. With eight hundred forty-two, that was effective for public companies this year in twenty nineteen. It'll be effective for private companies in twenty twenty. The big, the big change there is for operating leases will now be reporting on the on the balance sheet for lessees, and it's it's what we're calling uh, capital leases are now called finance type leases. So before, operating leases were just expensed, wasn't a big concern. It would show up in your five-year table as a, a contingencies, but now you record an asset and a liability related to those. For for lessees, I mean, less awards, it's not a big change. They added, uh, you know, the same terminology, operating lease, direct financing, and they've got a third-type lease called sales-type leases. Now, the big challenge is there, obviously, is getting and capturing all the leases. So completeness is a big issue, being able to go tracking all down, particularly if you're in a decentralized environment, as well as capturing a lot of information on those leases. And also you've got some other things called embedded leases, which were not a big deal but now are because they are potentially – operating leases, which need to go on the balance sheet. Now, an embedded lease, what that really is, is you're getting something basically free for buying services or buying goods. good example of that is, say, like you've got a coffee service, you're getting a free coffee maker. Those might be de minimis and you never need to record them, but you've got to show your audit firms that you've gone through the, through the, the thinking process to capture all those embedded leases and evaluate them.
1: Talk, talk a little bit about uh, the – various roads that uh, could have read or led to compliance. Um, there's a, a lot of approaches that companies have taken to either treat it as kind of a, a separate activity, address it with spreadsheets, standalone apps, and then there's other approaches that have looked down the road and uh, treated it with more of a, an integrated approach. Could you take a couple of minutes and talk about those approaches?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for Let me start with 606. Uh, You know, a lot of companies use a lot of spreadsheets to track all this information. It's a very manual process. So when 606 was implemented, a lot of companies just got into compliance by just brute force, meaning they just captured the information they needed, particularly manually, complied, got their footnote disclosure information, and moved on. As a tangible example, I came out of the healthcare industry, helped them implement ASC. C-606, and healthcare has a lot what we call variable consideration, meaning they've got a history of price concessions. That falls under the variable consideration. So there's a lot of data analyzed because you record what you eventually think you're going to collect, which in most cases is going to be a lot less than you build the client or the patient. So, for example, there was numerous activities related to information, all handled in spreadsheets. Very manual, prone to error, harder to audit, etc. A lot of companies are still in that boat. Now, if I go turn to ASC 842, same deal. Most people track their leases and spreadsheets, mostly for the five-year table, but it wasn't as big a deal. But now that you've got, say, two, 3,000 leases, both equipment and, and real estate, you really need to get that tracked in the software because it involves a big calculation. To put those leases on the books because your present value in the stream of future payments that's what's recorded on your on your balance sheet for the right of use asset and liability, and conversely, you've got future calculations to amortize those leases off the the financial records now now, one particular thing about eight forty two is even though it doesn't have income statement impact because it's essentially the same thing you've been doing all along, it does have a big balance sheet gross-up impact to comply with the standard and conversely both standards need significant financial disclosure and that information needs to be captured which is in most cases handled manually so so the so the big takeaway there is yeah you're in compliance and for 842 you will be in compliance particularly when you're a private company but do you have the processes and the ability to capture the needed data easily which makes your financial close process go smoothly and also is in compliance from a control and audibility standpoint.
1: Great summary. Yeah, it sounds like if you've done a a standalone spreadsheets or a standalone app, you are at risk of um, inefficiencies going forward and and inability to scale or to sustain it and inability to use automation. So kind yeah, of absolutely. some some companies have found themselves compliant, but in a compliance dead end.
2: Absolutely, that's 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 the key. And and so, you know, what's the next steps? Now, I, I noticed automation. How does that come into play? Well, ideally, you want to automate these processes for ASC 842. Most most companies have gone and gotten uh, software to do that. And being able to input all that software. So now you've got a trail for completeness for your auditors with that software. And you're also able to do all the calculations in automation. It also proves out SOX compliance. And then you work your processes and controls around that. You know, And, and one thing that's really good out there is, is we have a great product called CLM that helps with the disclosure, but also being able to handle all those leases. Conversely, on 606, the same deal. It's able to to capture the necessary information, not only for your disclosures, but also for things that come up like multi-element arrangements, which involve having to calculate a standalone selling price and allocate those prices accordingly to each multi-element to be able to effectively and in compliance record that revenue. And also, it's able to handle things like variable consideration, which I mentioned in healthcare is a big deal, but it other affects other industries because anything that's got a commission, rebate, any kind of discounting falls under the variable consideration standard, and you need, need to be able to estimate what you're going to record for that revenue. And that can be really onerous, particularly when you have thousands of transactions that you need to segregate and adjust that uh, variable consideration potentially because the standard says you have to analyze at each reporting period whether you need to make any changes to your original estimate for the variable consideration other issues are are contract modifications contract modifications which change the scope and or pricing of a contract arrangement involves having to go in there and make some adjustments to your revenue recording so automation is a huge deal in this area
1: and so essentially um, being Uh, And using CLM, contract lease management from SAP, as your compliance mode gives you um, a a lot more benefits than just compliance. It gives you integration if you're an SAP shop into uh, all of the rest of the systems. And uh, you mentioned um, RAR, Revenue Accounting and Reporting, another SAP app. So both of those um, give companies a leg up um, in integrating their compliance effort. But then looking forward, maybe take a few minutes and talk about if you're in the SAP environment, You, everybody knows that S4 HANA uh, is coming over the next few years. And it makes sense to be able to look down the road and see what's my implementation and integration strategy with regard to S4 HANA.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, S4 HANA will increase automation of both your 606 and 842 mm-hmm. efforts. Uh- you know, it's, it's got intelligent learning built into this. What that is, well, you're paying invoices. It's able to recognize that this vendor and able to automate the payment of those vendors as you make the payments because it's 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 capturing what you've done in, in payments for to that vendor in the past. Similarly, it can handle multi-element allocation. It also gives you better controls for a cleaner SOX environment which can lead to less audit costs, also get you in compliance where you don't have to worry about all the SOX kind of audits that your auditors perform as well as you do internally. And it's it's more standardization and once programmed, less manual intervention, which will you know help your accounting team focus less on manual processes, more on revenue analysis, pricing strategies. It really takes you from just brute force manual compliance to be able to really step back and do your your financial analysis, which takes you to the next level. And in terms of of 606, as I mentioned, the product is able to capture those leases, do your calculations, as well as we have a a really good disclosure tool that Bramasol came up with that's based on the the standard. You're able to drill into the required uh, 842 disclosure that the FASB recommends and and be able to also get your five-year table but you're also able to quickly pull up all the support for that disclosure which you can give to your auditors as well as it helps you do your analysis and the next level that on the s4 hana as they're coming out with a lot of good kpis that that help you manage your business more effectively from a lease cost standpoint but also a revenue recognition standpoint so you increase your efficiency as well as your profitability in the future.
1: So so what would you see as next steps for um, companies that are looking down the road and want to be able to uh, optimize uh, their compliance and uh, ultimately use it to help transform their business operations?
2: Next steps for me in a company is to go out there and look at those tools that takes you out of that manual environment to more of a cleaner Automation environment get a good product that's able to increase your efficiency for your organization as well as to lead to more analysis skills etc I mean there's we have sap's got a great product you know bramasol has a lot of experience implementing these products and it's a really a good next step for these for these organizations it takes you out of just basic compliance to optimization and then in the future with the KPIs into transformation which Helps you really get a handle on your business, how much your leases are costing, You know what, what's the best bulk purchase of my leases, because you're able to see when all those leases terminate easily. You're also to see what you're paying per square foot for real estate. Helps you get better prices there. In terms of revenue recognition, you're able to go out and figure out where your revenue is coming from, what the best price of that revenue should be, also be able to get those disclosures that are required, which are very onerous from a from a from a, a, a gap standpoint, IFRS standpoint, that need to be in the financial statements.
0: You can easily
2: produce those, cuts down on your time that your people are spending working on this, reduces errors because you're getting out of that spreadsheet environment to a more automated environment, and it's just it's just a, a, a very good thing all around. So for next steps for me, I'm already complying, so now let's go out and get the tools we need to, to automate this.
1: Sounds great. And in the uh, few minutes that we have left, um, you wanted to talk some about day two accounting, and I'd love to hear your perspective on what day two accounting is and how it becomes enabled based on everything we just discussed. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So as I mentioned earlier, day two accounting, now that everybody's in compliance with 606, now they're looking to say, okay, what things affect day two accounting? And as I mentioned, there's there's kind of three basic big items that affect day two accounting for, for AS606 compliance. One, multi-element arrangements. Well, you recorded that initially, but now you've got maybe changes to that to that, vendor invoice where you added uh, additional services or products. And now you've got to go out and calculate that standalone selling price. You've got to allocate that standing selling price to each element in the contract. And, and to be able to do that from an automated standpoint saves you a lot of time and money. Secondarily is variable consideration. That's a big deal. As I mentioned, every reporting period, you have to go back and analyze to make sure your initial estimate For variable consideration sales has not changed if it's changed you've got to make adjustments to that so being able to isolate which type contracts have variable consideration and being able to easily capture those and make adjustments to those and and now analyze those is a big deal the third is contract modifications from an ASC 606 standpoint as I mentioned it's a change in scope and pricing you got to go in and make the necessary adjustments for those type contracts. Now, from an ASC 842, you're always entering into new leases. You want to be able to easily track those leases for completeness, so you want your payable system linked to your lease accounting system to make sure you're you're capturing. Although somebody in, enters into a new lease and making payments, it doesn't match what you have in your system. That's day two. got to make sure you're capturing all those and that the amounts are the same. This is particularly big importance for real estate contracts, which have CAM, et cetera. You only entered into a real estate lease and recorded what you call just the base payment. Well, those are going to change through your AP system because you're paying CAM. You want to be able to isolate those and make sure that those are just truly expensed items, or are they new leases? So you're able to capture that completeness standpoint from from a from a, a standpoint of using automation easily as well as i mentioned earlier that the calculations are very onerous on go forwards you, just because you recorded them all at implementation day now you've got to capture all that information you need to properly account for all these leases in the future
1: and, and essentially using the tools we've discussed in in this conversation it frees up your accounting staff to do that higher level day two uh, tasks rather than struggling with all of the uh, non-automated brute force uh, calculations. Essentially, the tools allow you to uh, to focus on what's really important, uh, do exception focus and analysis rather than um, struggling with the brute force. So it actually probably improves the uh, the work environment for your accounting staff as well, because they're they're not doing the grunt work as much as they're doing the higher level value added work. Uh, so it's more
2: interesting. You get you get out of that long, grueling hours at quarterly and you're in close. It also improves audit efficiency, so which can take down your audit audit budgets, particularly to those external auditors who are expensive. And it also improves your future profitability for your organization because you're able to do that transformation analysis that I'm talking about. So the S4 HANA tools and our CLM disclosure package enables you to do that really efficiently.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like uh, it reduces your risk and improves your auditability and and the bargain as well. Absolutely, absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, This has been a really great discussion, John. Anything that you want to add that you think we missed or uh, in way of summary, what people should be looking at doing next? You know,
2: as a way of summary, what people should be doing is going out and looking at these great tools we have and and then looking at Bramasol, who has a lot of experience implementing these, because it's a real big deal, and I think it will really improve your organization from all all the things I've just previously mentioned, you know, efficiency, um, more accurate reduction in costs, happier people, able to really increase your profitability in the future.
1: That sounds great. Uh, thank you very much for your time, John, today. It's really been informative. I know that our listeners will appreciate it and I look forward to exploring more topics with you in the future. Thank you.
2: Me too. I, re- I really appreciate the invite. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Bramacel's Insight to Action podcast series. We hope that you found it helpful. To ensure that you never miss a future episode, you can subscribe to Bramacel at iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Bramasol in detail on our solutions for compliance, optimization, and financial transformation, please visit www.bramasol.com or email us at info at